Welcome to Curva Mundial. Hello, and welcome to a special episode of Curva Mundial Extra Time, where we bring back a former guest to check in what they are up to now. I'm your host, Sal Bono, and my next guest comes right from last season. She's the author of the bestseller, Clobber, Bridging the Gap Between Casuals and Their Clobber. Please welcome back my friend, Ms. Rue Oxley. Welcome back, Rue. Hey, how are you? Okay. I'm good. Yeah. I mean, you have been on a whirlwind trip. So much has happened to you since you were last on. For the audience, it feels like you were just here, but your episode was recorded while you were still writing Clobber way back in the yeah. spring. Now yeah. the book has come back. It hit number one on Amazon. Holy shit. Congrats, darling. Thank what you. was your reaction when that news came out? I mean, just seeing it when it was um, seeing it in print was quite overwhelming as well. Um, it was just I can't believe I've actually got a book out. Um, so obviously, Amazon and my publishers are the main distributors of it. So um, to get number one in certain categories, it's number one in consumer guides and number one in social sciences, which is amazing because that kind of just shows that um, the kind of academic underpinning of the book as well, you know. So um, I'm just absolutely made up with it. It's 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 an amazing read because what what I loved about it was that it felt like you were sitting right next to me talking to me about it was ne it never deviates from who you are as a person like your entire personality is in it it never reads as like a an academic book it reads as mm -hmm. a conversation as from an expert and the book makes for an amazing holiday gift that's a hint for all you listeners out there <laughs> we make this book number one again for the holidays for rue <laughs> for the football fan, the Anglophile, and the fashionista, you blend everything together and present what life is like in the terraces. But the thing that struck me right away in reading it was that you're one of the only women in the terraces. So tell us about that. Like, what was that like? Well, I mean, I think there's been there's been female casuals before me. Um and I think this is something I'd actually like to explore in a second book, actually about female fandom. There's a lot of female fans out there, um, notably um, there's Girls Owner Jackie. They they they're quite big. They do magazines. They're quite prevalent in female football fandom, whereas well, as opposed to casuals. So I think it could be a growing number of female casuals. I mean, you see girls at the match and stuff, but um, it, it's definitely an area that I'd like to research more for sure. Um, I've I've loved it really being the only female, <laughs> being a girl female casual. But um, yeah, it, it's it's interesting to see, and it's definitely an area I want to look into more. That's amazing. So there is a follow up, is what you're saying. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Fingers again, everybody, go buy this book so that. She gets a chance to write number two, and we keep this going, right? Right. I mean, I hope to be doing um, like an audiobook as well, which I really, really want to do. I mean, it's available on Kindle and stuff, but yeah, I'd, I'd want to do an audiobook. And um, I think we'll see how things go after Christmas. A lot of things planned. Love it. Love it. You're always plotting. This is the best. <laughs> hustling. Always yeah. hustling. That's it. That's it. You know, you write the book from your personal experience, not just in terraces, but what it's like to be one of the boys in the local firms, but and how you and how it also dove into your love of fashion. Were you treated differently and looked at differently because you were not one of the guys? Um, 
Yes and no. I mean, I obviously won't be doing any fighting in that because I think girls who start scrapping, it just looks a bit wank, really. And the boys won't be happy about girls getting stuck in. Um, it's just embarrassing. So in that in that aspect, definitely. But then, because um, I've grown up with them, then I've always been at the matches. It, you know, it doesn't. They don't really care. I think it more might be more um, away fans that might treat me differently as said in the book uh, West Ham fans had a lovely chant for me at the stadium <laughs> I'm not repeating it yeah no not worth not worth repeating <laughs> I mean when you revisit that though writing the book like that embarrassing but also like traumatic experience like what like was it cathartic for you to revisit that I didn't find it uh, to be fair I didn't find it embarrassing um, it's just, it's just to me, it's just away fans, um, you know, giving it the big and really. So, and they, I mean, they do it. They'll find someone to do it at the match with anyway. And obviously, it's just an easy target because they're just bouncing around at the ground, being totally oblivious to what they were saying. <laughs> but um, it, it really wasn't a problem. You know, it, it's just football match, and I think if you can't take a bit of bit of chanting and answer then don't really go play the match really especially if you go in as an away fan you know so yeah don't bother me okay all right <laughs> you also don't shy away from and rightfully so slamming those with a small town minds that looked at you and looked down at you for being a woman in the terrace wanting a pie and a good look and some football you know what was it like getting that story out and now still walking around your town with the people that you're sort of like throwing a couple fingers at um, uh, it, like I said, it's just small town mentality. I mean, most people have been very supportive because you know I've just, you know, I, I've been around on the scene forever. But um, you know, there's just a lot of jealous people in the world, and it's and um, I just try not to let it bother me. Really, fuck them. Um, if they don't like what I'm doing, don't follow me. Just, just, just carry on doing what you're doing, and I'll carry on what I'm doing, and I don't really give anyone else a second thought. I love it. That was that was amazing advice you had given previously and now back yeah. on. So it's awesome. You know, the book also dives into the history of subcultures and how they sprung up after World War II. Yeah. One thing that the book does an amazing job is capturing the violence of it all. Why was the violence such a thing with these subcultures? Good question. And um, I think when I first did a master's dissertation, I looked into the violence a bit more, um, which is, it was more to do with the kind of working class man in his identity and it's territorial, it's tribal. And so where what they wore, the clothes was kind of representing their tribe. So the violence and hooliganism came, you know, hand in hand, but it also sprung up from like the scuttlers in the Victorian times. And, you know, it, it's it's just part of working class life, I'd say the violence. And then it kind of, you know, spread in the subcultures and, and the football ground was a great kind of theatre, almost like an amphitheatre, you know, to, to parade it in. And then the fashions were there to kind of show who was doing what. So, yeah, it goes, it goes hand in hand and, you know. Wow. All right. You know, there were also parallels, which what opened my eyes and I just never made the connection and I'm quite ashamed of myself for it. <laughs> but there were parallels between the British hooligans and the Italian ultras. From the styles to the violence to the misogyny to the old boys group, but like which inspired which? Because like mm -hmm. I don't, here in America, it's sort of like you're getting everything at the same time. Yeah, yeah. You know? mm -hmm. 
it, it is really interest, interesting and it's been written about quite a lot it's the Paninaro which were like mid to late 80s um Milanese youth hanging around these because it's it's summer shops and they were just so cool and they were wearing like old Montclair ski jackets but you know CP and stuff and that filtered down that well you know the um, the Northwest Casuals kind of looked at that when they were at matches in Europe and took that look, um, and that's kind of where a lot of the um, the Italian influences come from. When I spoke to Lorenzo Osti, who um, obviously the CP company president, he said there's a very there's, there's hardly any Casuals in Italy, and if there are, they kind of look to the Northwest of the UK, which is which wow. so interesting. Because they, they kind of look back to us. What they do have is this ultra movement. So the Italians have all the tifo, and um, you know it's more of a military look with the yeah. goggles, the black outfits. It's very more organised. But yet again, um, seeing growing elements of that in the UK, which what I found was really interesting in my research, like some really nondescript UK towns were starting to have an ultras movement. And it was, and it's interesting because obviously um, Northern Ireland and Scotland have got big ultras, um, kind of stylistic elements in their fans. Um, and then I write in their book, it's a chapter called Old Enemies. And that's about how it, it almost looked almost paramilitary esque. Yeah. And that's an, and secular. So that's another aspect I think I'd like to delve more into. Book number three. Another thing that helped bring to the audience, bring life to the audience around the globe was your brilliant parallels to pop culture. Anytime mm -hmm. I can talk about Paris is burning and Peaky Blinders in the same um, time, I'm gonna. So why was it important for you to put those subcultures uh, and reference them in the book? Because I think, um, because it's not just about, the, the book's about clobber. Yeah. So obviously um, the crux of it is, is there is culture and casual clothes, casual clobber. But to explore one subculture, you have to look at other ones. And um, it was in lockdown and I was watching Pose, yeah. which is all about the, um, the trans and drag queens in New York. And the soundtrack to that was absolutely amazing. It was really, really good. So I was listening to that in lockdown. I mean, it had like Tears of Fears, um, yeah. Swing Out Sister on it, Whitney It was a great soundtrack. And um, that late, that early 80s New York vibe, I think is, is brilliant. And Paris is Burning is great. So, and and there are parallels because, you know, these are people um, like the gays in New York or the trans that were, were appropriating Bobber from the upper middle class to fit, you know, possibly to fit in. So they were doing categories like, you know, Vogue or, uh, you know, old money vibes and stuff, you know, to to project an image of what they weren't, which is what the casuals did. So there are parallels for sure. Wow. And um, and and especially with Peaky Blinders, now they, they, obviously they were a real group and they were based in London, Birmingham, which is just down the road from us. But again, they they wanted to they copied the Edwardian looks, so they they weren't looking just working class. So they would wear the you know Teddy Boy, uh, you know they'd get have their big boy hats and have that kind of look to project for them what they were what they were, and that's always been a working class way to kind of project 
an image of wealth or more than what you are. So there's there's a lot of parallels, and I think most subcultures actually do that. It's amazing. You're 100% right on all that. And when you come to New York, I'll give you a tour of all the Paris is burning and Poe's locations because oh, they're, they're so. still around. Um, <laughs> and if you haven't watched either one, you should. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Blinders became like a global phenomenon. And what I gather when I watch Peaky Blinders, and I love that you described it so well, what guy wouldn't want to look like Tommy Shelby, right? And yeah. you sit here, and as I sit here in New York City, as a consumer of both British music and fashion and football mm -hmm. and all of the things and a fan, a major fan of all of it, British gentleman's style, there's something about it. And that has constantly, like whether it's James Bond, whether it's Tommy Shelby or whether mm -hmm. it's Gallagher, you know, the Brits, your folks, your people have, have <laughs> had such a tremendous impact on fashion. But again, like you, they it also is in heavily influenced from you know the italian culture and and yeah. you know, mediterranean so seeing this it's is it still like a fashion forward nation or is it someone or is it a place that's co-opting different ideas from different places that's a great question and it really is. And I think that's what I tried to start to explore in the book as well, because I think people got misconceptions that it's just about, um, you know, hooligans and casuals, and which it is. But it's also about post-COVID, how people consuming brands. What What is the fashion, you know, stance today? Are the tribes, are the subcultures, are we fashion forwards? Um, I mean, I think um, this generation like ours, with magpies and bard bits and bobs from different subcultures, influenced by music. But what I, I what I would need to know and research more is what subcultures are there today? Because I don't think with, with the kind of link with music that most subcultures have, I don't think they have it today, not mm. as strong. So, which also kind of pushed forward in subculture, you know, your identity was in the music you listened to, the gigs you went to and how you dressed. Yeah, they have that nowadays as youngsters. I would argue not as much. So in that case, they probably aren't being as fashion forward. But then you do see that this, you know, the TikTok generation are looking at things like um, old money core and all that. And old money, the Luke, they're having like old cost and a. So yeah. sitting here again it's an audio podcast <laughs> but she's still the most fashionable person we've ever had so <laughs> a vintage look but it's and that in the old money look that these young some young people's people are going for is what casuals went for in old money look you know dressing um in very high-end upper class labels so it, it'd be interesting to see yeah it would be interesting to see how fashion forward we are today now time for a coffee break Curva Mundial is sponsored by Mod Cup Coffee in Jersey City. But you can get it anywhere in the world from modcup.com. Mod Cup, drink modern coffee. Use code MUNDIAL for 10% off your first order. All right, book number four, book number four. I <laughs> know, still got a lot of work to do. Okay. <laughs> um, you write about Stoke, and what I love is that when you were on previously you're a massive stoke fan stoke supporter you're born and bred and you have no problem 
telling it how it is with that team. <laughs> but one thing that you will do, and you mentioned in the previous episode, was that how people from Stoke will defend that team to the bitter end. And you write about how Stoke are often overlooked when it comes to football history and make a great case that I was completely oblivious of as to why they should always be in the conversation. Why do you think Stoke are overlooked? Oh, I don't, I don't know. And it, it, you know, we are one of the oldest teams in the English football league. In fact, um, just no one like. I mean, not to paraphrase Millwall, no one likes us. We don't care. But <laughs> no one likes us. We don't care. Um, no, um, we just, we just. I don't know. Maybe it's because we're just this shitangy little town. Um, <laughs> The top of the West Midlands, the bottom of the Northwest. We're very inward, well, cities, I suppose. Um, some, I mean, like Liverpool, a very inward, mm-hmm. uh, introverted city. Um, I'd say Stoke are quite similar in that way, that, that outsiders don't get it. Um, and we don't even get it ourselves, but it, it's kind of our city. But, yeah, it's, we, we, we always get overlooked. Wow. Which it's is fine. <laughs> But it's also like, I'm happy that like you're now raising the flag and raising because again, now that as I'm reading this going like, oh, wow, like I didn't realize like how important they were to the history of obviously the English football pyramid and just English football in general, um, which is which is unbelievable. You know, another thing that you did uh was not make me feel old which i appreciate um i hate social media (laughs) jargon and how people put it in everyday vernacular to sound what they think to sound like what they think is cool or down with the youth but you shit all over it and of (laughs) course shit all over drake which is amazing on both fronts this is why we're (laughs) friends and i love you dearly (laughs) but was this book did you think of this book as a lecture to the youth, to almost like your children as saying like, respect your fucking elders for a minute. Not that I'm saying your kids don't, I'm sure they do. Um, but, it's like, <laughs> but at least like to their generation to say like, Hey, look, like what you think is hot and cool now. Th- a lot of work went into this decades ago. Yeah, no, I get what you mean. Uh, it wasn't aimed as a lecture, and I really, <laughs> if it doesn't come across, and it doesn't come across like that. So I'm just a curmudgeon. So. Um, so stuck in my my ways, and um, I mean, when you're growing up, and I was growing up in the '90s, it was just mint, and people who probably grew up in the '60s said the same, or the same as the '80s. But I think because the '90s was probably the last really good decade for um any kind of zeitgeist personally and i i I hop back to it a lot because i'm nostalgic i miss those times but they were they gave us some really um some great times and still influences um so i'm not trying to lecture the youngsters i hope they turn around and do something amazing um whether they pick you know picking bits and elements and other things just have some movement just have some kind of anything and that's that's your own i just don't see how they anything they do will probably come mention quite quick anyway you know because of the of the internet social media and stuff and i just think they're quite um a modicoddled and insulated generation you know a lot of unexperiencing life as it should so that's what I don't want them to do. I want them to go out and um, my son and his friends want to put on raves and like 
fun, go and do it. Like, go and have fun, you know. But even now, if they did that, they get closed down and it won't be the same. But at least, at least give it a good go. So maybe instead of it a lecture, maybe I'm trying to give them a few tips and guides. A little blueprint, <laughs> a little blueprint and uh, source yeah. of inspiration. <laughs> There is an amazing line at the end of the uh, Oasis documentary, Supersonic, where um, Noel Gallagher, of course, like has this amazing monologue where um, he's talking about what we're talking about now. Um, and it's it's it ends with Nebworth. And he's like, there's not a cell phone in sight. There's no one caring about what they look like or how they're acting yeah. or there's no one recording their moment or as he eloquently put it sucking on each other's ball bags um to then say like <laughs> but, he, but he sits there and and explains how everybody what made nebworth so special and i think this culminates the entire 90s whether from music to fashion to football to everything was that everybody was in that moment yeah and we don't have that anymore. Even in a post-pandemic, I would have expected less cell phones at gigs. I would have expected more people to be like, this was taken away from me so quickly that I want to mm -hmm. enjoy this even more. Um, but that's not the case. And I'm guilty as charged as well with it. Yeah. But, you know, so do you think that, because you are also someone like myself that loves nostalgia, do you think that it could ever get to that? Or it's just so different now? And mm. so accessible that maybe that if your son's doing a rave in Stoke, that there's a, someone in, I don't know, Trapani, Sicily, that sees him on Instagram and says, this looks awesome. I'm going to do the same thing. And that's how the influence keeps going. Yeah, I mean, possibly. I mean, I as Fabio uh, told me, Kavina said, who is in a performance, you can't recreate magic. Yeah. And 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 I don't want to sound like I'm, you know, I'm just stuck in, in these ways. However, <laughs> you, you can't recreate it, but you can have a good go trying as much as you can. The other week I went to um, Shelley's reunion rave in Stoke and it was, I mean, I never went to Shelley's. I was just a tiny bit too young, but we grew up listening to all the old school tapes, the piano house and went to some raves. And um, it was as close as you're going to get. And then next week I'm going to... The Hacienda reunion thing in nice. Manchester, where we've got Ian Brown, Left Field, K Class, Roger Sanchez, Todd Terry. It's it's a, it's going to be heavy. Um, so there's pockets of stuff going on, but I just think the world has changed, and I think we kind of gotta accept that and and just embrace any little bits that we can do. Anything that's not so um, recorded, maybe I think we can. You know, love. I love it. You know, you're also again because if the audience hasn't been able to figure out at this point, you are extremely busy. Yeah. Uh, but you also are putting out a calendar this year. Mm -hmm. So what? What's this? Yeah. What's going on? What? What's happening? What's happening with everyone's favorite pinup girl now? What's What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd argue that I'm not, but um, <laughs> this is a bit mental. But um, I've decided to, I, I get asked all the time um to do a calendar and i'm getting a bit you know it's getting a bit long in the tooth to start doing um other kinds of content um so and also i'm busy with the book i'm setting me in content writing company up um i want to look into doing brand collaborations so um i'm really really busy which is fantastic 
But I just thought, why not? You know, I'm going to put together a calendar. And in my head, it's going to be Pirelli-esque. Nice. Okay. <laughs> Whether it'll come out that way or not. So I'm literally finalising it at the moment. And it's going to be limited edition. Like, I'm not doing this again. I'm not going to be doing it. But I'm going to sign every single, I'm going to sign and personalise each one. Um, so it's, there's not many of these out there. So it's going to be pictures of some of my Insta unfriendly images. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, or, or Insta favourites. So, yeah, I'm kind of just putting a collection together. So, yeah, it's it's a very limited edition and I will not be doing one again. <laughs> I love it. I Again, I love that you're just looking to try and that that's incredible. So how, we'll can, how can everyone get one? Or whoever wants one, because they are limited. So if you they want, they are limited, quick. right? So I've set up an email address to for anyone to get interested in anything to do my book or a calendar. So it's basically almost like a waiting list, and people have already signed up on it. So there isn't much space left on it. So when they get my calendars come out next, well, when they're printed next week, I'll be sending them out to the people, I'll be signing them personalized and sending them off ready for Christmas. Wow. Um so the address, if you want me to say it's a bit of a long-winded one. So it's Rue Oxley altogether, R-O-O-O-X-L-E-Y at OxleyContinProductions dot com genius it's a genius which is the name of my company oxycontin you know <laughs> it's a genius genius name for a company as, it, if, that, if that if that is how does someone explain rue that's it that's that's yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> super fun and that's it there's this, this element of nostalgia there too which is great yeah. <laughs> so yeah um, i'm excited to do it um we'll see how it goes and if no one likes it then i've got a stash of images of myself to be keeping in my living room for a year <laughs> but again you're trying and i love it. it no it's fantastic i will say your previous episode was the highest listened to episode in the history of this podcast and it continues to break all sorts of records for me my um, god so i think your calendar <laughs> and that was an audio podcast so i think and this will be an audio podcast so i think that mm -hmm. um the calendar and the book are going to sell just fine so where can everyone get the book and what else do you and where can they follow you to get more information so the book is on Amazon. Um, so you just need to type in on Amazon Clobber by Ruoxy. That should come up. Um, also, 80s Casual Classics Stockham, Stuarts of London Stockham. And also, in the new, I did a book signing in Stoke. I did the launch party on a barge in Manchester. So it's hashtag get the barge in. So basically, we were raving on the canals of Manchester for a couple of hours for Get the Barge In. So that was, it was great. Um, and then the new year, I'll be doing some more book signings at 80s Casual Classics stores. So it's either going to be at the new one in Glasgow or Derby. And then I'll be doing um, a collaboration with Original Casuals and doing some T-shirts with me on him <laughs> and possibly doing something with them in Edinburgh. So the new year is looking jam-packed, but dead excited about it as well. So all amazing stuff. And mm -hmm. you have to squeeze New York City into this at some point. I also I have will. to squeeze I Manchester. Need to. I need 
I, I do. I mean, I'm, I'm going to Amsterdam in January, um, and then I'll need a break from Amsterdam. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yes, I New York definitely. I'd love to. I need, yeah, I'd love to come across the pond and see do everybody. It. Do it. There's uh there's plenty of places to go. Obviously, check out. I mean, I don't need to tell you that, but um, mm-hmm. you know, this is Rue. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining, and everyone. Please. Thanks for having me, Sal. I really appreciate it as always. Oh, you, know, <laughs> you have an open invitation. To always come back. So thank okay. you. <laughs> I say come to Stoke instead, but I will. Well, no, I'm gonna. I, I have to. I have to, because again, just as an aside, my favorite, so I got invited to the barge and I was so bummed that I could go. And she's like, will you be coming? And I'm sitting there going like, fuck, I can't make, like, it was just like the timing wasn't working out for me, but I, but I truly thought about it. And I'm just like, I looked at my wife and I said, I'm like, do we go to Manchester? She's like, well, you have all these (laughs) friends now in the area. She's like, you know, the timing just unfortunately did not work out. Um, But, but. I do have to make it to your neck of the woods. So we, we'll we we'll figure it all out. We'll figure, we'll figure something out. You rule me to Manchester. We'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you again. No problem. Anytime. So thanks so much for having me. Thank you. Follow us on Twitter at Curva Mundial Pod and subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening.